Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Amen. Good morning. How are we doing? We good? Anyone excited about a little bit of rain to take the pollen away? Anyone? You come on. Come on. Spring, it's, it's beautiful and everything, but I, I, I'm not a huge fan because of what it does to me. I'm always stopped up. Something's going on, and so I'm looking forward to uh, summertime. Anybody ready for summer? Come on. Come on. Well, good morning. If you do not know me, as a uh, pastor said before, my name is uh, Pastor Tyler Still. I'm the student ministries pastor here. And uh, anytime I get to be over here in, in the main service with you guys, I am excited and, uh, and also honored. Um, I honor uh, pastor Larry, Miss Jeannie, for, uh, for this pulpit and the leadership they carry. And, and so I always want to begin just by saying thank you um, for the opportunity. It's, a, it's an honor and privilege to be on this stage today. And so uh, thank you. It's also an honor just to speak to you guys, and uh, I hope today I've been praying and believing God uh, to speak his word through me today, and uh, that's simply my desire uh, today. It's not to give you more about me. It's not to give you anything else you need, another gimmick. It's uh, that we would preach God's word, God's truth, and through his truth we would find life, but we would also be instructed on how to live that life, and that is my prayer today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 15. And as you flip there, we're continuing our series, Wounded, and today the title of the message is Wounded for Our Blessing. Wounded for Our Blessing. Today we are going to be talking about the crown of thorns and how its implications became the greatest blessing to God's people today. Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 20. Stand with me for the reading of God's word today. Starting in verse 16, and it says this. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, your word is all we need. Your word brings life to those who are dead in sin. Your word brings hope to those who are without hope. And so today, God, we simply ask that your word would be sealed in our hearts. God, challenge us. Change us. God, that's why we're here. And we ask that the convictions of our heart today would not lead us to run away, but, God, it would lead us to run further to you, closer to you. God, do something new in our lives today. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, stir us up for the things that you are doing. God, we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you as you're seated. Today I want to speak to you from a subject. Uh, in your bulletins, it's a re- maybe referred to as the main idea. Just this one thought, kind of this subject today, I want to speak to you from there is a difference in the good life and the blessed life. There is a difference in the good life and the blessed life. 
The good life, it's, it's one that many of us know, especially as Americans. The good life is a, is a life that we chase after. This good life is one that we, we seek to, to obtain possessions. We seek to have many things in our life. And, and I'll tell you, my story comes a little bit of experiencing that good life. I grew up in a great family, and with that family, I had all the things you could ask for. I had great parents, two parents who loved me, who believed in me. They had uh, so much fun together. We had a great time. I loved my family. Still to this day, I love spending time with my family because of all the memories. I had great parents. I also had um, two great brothers. Um, I, I have an older brother. His name is Matt, and then a twin brother named Travis. We look nothing alike, so don't get excited. But if you come to the second service, he may be preaching. Who knows? It's a... No, Travis and I, we look nothing alike, but we are very similar in the fact that we always love to have fun. I always had best friends, even if I didn't have friends, because I had my brothers. And that was a good thing. I had a great life. I had uh, many friends in life. I grew up with a, a group of exactly nine of us guys. We grew up together, and we did everything together. We were the crew. We never came up with a name because we just weren't that kind of people. We, we didn't want a name. We didn't want a jacket, maybe uh, something like that. We didn't, we didn't go for that. But us, uh, us nine, we stayed together. We had a great time. We played baseball together. We played basketball together. We swam in pools. We rode jet skis. We did everything. Just about every memory I had as a child came with these nine friends. I had a great life, and as a student in a school, I aspired to become a professional athlete, as most do. <laughs> but as you could tell, it didn't work out. I'm here today with you guys, and that's a blessing. <laughs> but shortly after this um, aspiration to become a professional athlete slowly died as my talent did, I realized that I wanted something more, and that was the chase of this good life. I wanted this good life that I could, that I could have, that I could get m- many things. I wanted a new truck. I wanted a boat. I wanted a wife, and I wanted a house. Any order would have worked. At the age of 18, uh, this reality became, uh, this became a reality very quickly. At the age of 18, I, I scored an amazing job. I happened to be in the right place at the right time. I was taking a drafting class. And in that drafting class, a company comes and they said, we need a a young drafter to come on staff with us and start drawing. We can teach them. We can raise them up. So at the age of 18, I I began working at an engineering firm doing drafting, and I had a great time. It was fun. I enjoyed it. uh, My job was simple. Take what the boss drew on paper and just put it in the system. And I was like, man, I could do this every day. It doesn't take much thought. You just draw the lines. It was exciting. And I I did these things for a long time. and, And by the age of 19, things started going really well. You see, I had the future wife. I had a girlfriend at the time, now my wife Holly. I had the good job. I had my truck. I was about to get my boat. Everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, my boss comes to me. He's like, hey, I've been noticing you're doing really well, but also you speak well to people. And I was like, yeah, I I don't mean to to step over uh, limits, but I just want to let you know, I think I could do your job. And and he... (laughs) I said, you do what I do, except you just talk to people. And I love talking to people. I can talk to people anytime. I mean, talking's easy. And he's like, uh, okay. And I said, well, let's try it. He's like, okay. So I started helping him, and he taught me how to, how to do different things I thought I knew, but I didn't. And, and I learned things. But shortly after, at 19 years old, I got offered a great promotion. This promotion was everything I could dream of. At 19 years old, I was going to make enough. I was going to get the house. I was already looking. Uh, The boat was picked out way before this, but I was ready to go get the boat. I was ready to upgrade the truck. I was going to keep the girl, though. I was going to keep the girl. (laughs) 
And I I was in this place, and I was super excited about this season of life. You see, the good life was becoming a reality for me at 19 years of age. I was excited. I was like, man, all of my friends are still working at, like, golf courses, and that's great. But they were, like, dragging, and they spent all of their money at the golf course. And so no one ever had any money but me. I had some money. And I was excited. Uh, Holly and I, we ate out every single day. Uh, Great meals. We were eating great. We did not do a savings account until the end, but we learned that you should probably do that and not eat steak every day. But but we, uh, we were living the good life. And then when I'm offered this promotion shortly after, something changed. Something changed and an opportunity presented itself that slowly took me away. And as I think about this, Life, as I think about this good life and, and the blessings of God and different things, I think so often we confuse the blessings of God with just the American good life. The age of 19, I thought I had everything, but realized that sitting on the end of my bed many nights asking questions like, there has to be more, what is, what is out there? I, I, for some reason, had everything you could ever want as a 19-year-old, but for some reason I was still depressed. Without joy, I, I didn't have much, and I shared last time I spoke about that joy being restored, but in this moment, I, I couldn't find out what was going on. And, and as I read Scripture today, and as I see, I think it was because I was confusing the blessings of God with the American dream. You see, we chase all of these things because we think we will find our identity. We chase the pleasure of life and the things we have rather than who we have. And as I speak to you this morning, I want to talk about this good life. See, these things in themselves aren't bad. Today, I'm not here to convict you for having things. Today, I'm not here to tell you you got to sell everything. You're not allowed to have a boat. You're not allowed to have a house. Obviously, you can keep your wife. we We can do these things. I'm not here to tell you these things. But I am here to tell you today that maybe we have confused the blessing of God with the American dream. See, that house you sleep in is a gift of God. The job you have is a gift of God. The people you spend your life with are gifts of God. But what truly is the blessings of the Lord? Many of these things can be blessings, but I think we're actually belittling the true blessing of the Lord, which is salvation. Today I want to break apart this passage. You see, we see this uh, the story taking place, and many of us know it. it's the most famous part of Scripture is this point of Jesus' execution. And, and Jesus is coming out of a tough time. He's in this tough place. He's been whipped, and, and we've heard about these in the previous uh, weeks, how he, he's been whipped, he's, he's hurting, he's bruised, and we talk about the healing that comes through that. But as we read this story, it can, be, it can become really hurtful. You see, the one that we've given our life to, the Savior of our lives, is the one we're reading about, taking beatings upon beatings upon his back because of us. And then he's led into this place called the palace. This would have been the the king's place. He was led in there. And it says the entire troop of soldiers... This wasn't a few. Many of us, when we see movies and we think of this, we see a couple soldiers getting around the mean ones, and they're doing things. It says the entire company of soldiers gets in this place. They take Jesus there, and they begin to mock him. They take the color purple. Some translations would say the color red, but both being a royal color, they take it and they put it upon his back as a cloak. 
This cloak would have come just mid-back. It wouldn't have gone all the way down to cover. So they've completely stripped him. And now he has nothing on but a cloak that covers simply the shoulders, his shoulders in the middle of his back. And then we read of this moment that takes place where this, the soldiers take these thorns and they begin to weave them together. And they weave them together into a crown. And, and many believed that these thorns would have been uh, many of the same ones that you would find on the branches that they waved when Jesus came into town on a donkey. And now these same branches possibly are taken together. Many believe if uh, they're not sure exactly which ones, but most people believe the thorns on the crown would have been one to two inches long. And they take these and they force this crown on the head of Jesus. Would have been a terrible sight to see. He's already in pain. He's already broken. Most people that experience this type of torture would have already died, but they stopped a little early just to let him keep going and they force this upon his head. It's in a place of misery. And today I I often question one thing when I read this passage. Why? Why would they tell us of this? Why wouldn't they just say Jesus was taken by the soldiers, he was tried, guilty, and he's taken to the cross, and we have the cross of Calvary, and we're excited. Why is this in Scripture? Why would they want us to know this? The truth can be found in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 17 through 19 says this, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. You see this This picture of thorns and thistles is the product of man's sin. We have on the scene, we have the scene of Adam and Eve, and and they have sinned against God. They have gone against God, and now they're hiding, and he finds them, and he, he does these different things. He places these different curses on the snake, on the woman, and then he comes to this ending, and he says, Now you will work by the sweat of your brow for thorns and thistles. No longer will fruit abound, but thorns will come among the fruit and tear out the fruit. And now Jesus is sitting here and he's taking on this crown of man's sin. You see, at this moment, Adam, once instructed by the Lord to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, is tempted. And he unlocks this door of sin into our world, and our world from this time would never be the same. Because of this moment, mankind is now under the bondage of the sin. And all of mankind under this curse. We now toil and suffer daily from the sin nature of which we are born. All of mankind to follow would spend its effort, its energy, doing everything it could battle against this curse. We are constantly living in a fight against the sin because of what took place in this moment. And this attempt, though good for many, was never enough. We've tried and we've tried sacrificial systems. We've done everything. And many of you may relate in the fact you try and try over again, over and over again. i got to get past this. i got to move forward. But because of our flesh, we constantly fall. You see, it took a perfect sacrifice to, to change what had taken place. And we have tried and tried, but yet man could not right the wrong. That has been done. Only a true miracle, 
Only perfection could defeat this curse. And today I'm here to tell you, this is why the scene matters. Perfection was sitting on the ground with stripes across his back, a royal robe draping upon his shoulders, and thorns. These long thorns, uh, this curse cutting deep into his brow. You see, that day, perfection, that was the only way to be saved, was sitting on the ground, taking our place. Wearing the crown that we were intended to wear. But today I'm here to tell you the scene where soldiers intended this scene to be a mockery is actually one of glory. This was the crowning of a king. This wasn't just a crown of thorns, it was a crown of glory. Perfection was here to to defeat the curse. The blessing of the world was here. Church, today we hurt for the pain and agony of our Savior suffered that he suffered that day, but we're filled with hope because this crown pronounces the ending of a curse. This is the blessed hope. This is the crowning of a king who rules a kingdom that is not of this world. He doesn't need the gold crown. He's wearing the proper crown because his crown is higher than the one that even the king would have worn. This crown of mockery is a crown of blessing. And I have great news this morning. Through Jesus, we are no longer bound under this curse. But we have the blessing of life. This is the ultimate blessing. And somewhere along the way, our fleshly desires for the good life has replaced this true blessing. Stems all the way back to the people of Israel and their expectation of the Messiah. You see, much like us, we look at these moments and we're like, man, I I get this wrong. I don't do this well. But if you look, even the people of Israel before Jesus' time were making the same mistake we do with blessing. Their Messiah was not Jesus in their minds. It wasn't who he came to be. Their Messiah was a rich ruler. Their Messiah was someone who brought the kingdom over every other kingdom in the world. Their Messiah was someone who who would be earthly, reigning. And he would do things for them, and they would become higher and richer and better than every other person in the world. Their Messiah was one who would give them the good life. But Jesus comes on the scene, and he does something completely different. He comes and offers the blessed life, and they're excited. They're waiting for it. Is this the Messiah? Is this the one we've waited all these years for? Then Jesus stands upon a mountain. And begins to call out what the blessed life is, and it's one that's completely flipped. Matthew 5, we see he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the humble, the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacekeepers. And these people who are excited that their kingdom may be there, it's time for Israel to go to the top. They're now looking and saying, where is the blessing of God? Yet it was standing right in front of them. And I wonder how often, church, we do the very same thing. How often do we cry out, Lord, I've been faithful, I've been sowing seeds, I've been doing this. How often do we say, where are my blessings? Yet he's standing right in front of us. 
You see, every single week at church, it can't, we can't have a service without saying that Jesus has died for us, that he's given us everything we need, that he took upon the crown of our sin, that he's taken everything that we could ever desire, and everything we've tried to go after, he's taken it fully away, and he's offered new life to us, and we say this every single week, yet still many go, God, where is my blessing? This is tough. Where's my blessing? The blessing is standing with, a, with thorns in his head, hands in, or nails in his hands and feet. He's standing there in front of us, and we're saying, what, when are you going to give me what I deserve? I'm here to tell you, you don't want what you deserve. The answer is simple. There is a difference in the good life and the blessed life. The life we far too often call blessed is a fleshly desire called the good life, the American dream, one that is made up of possessions, one that is temporary. Today you may have come here and I mentioned the word blessed. You may think, here's my time. What things am I leaving with today? Here's my moment. Some of you came in here wondering what possibly could you have done wrong to not receive the blessings Because you're stuck. Hard times. Things aren't going like you planned. You thought as you sow seeds, sometimes eventually that fruit would come back and you're wondering where it is. I'm here to tell you your blessing may never come in the form of earthly possession. But the one you are promised is much greater. It is one found only in Jesus. One that lasts forever. One that will change your life forever. It is the true abundant life found in Christ rather than the world. How do we live this blessing? Today the blessed life is offered to each one of us. It is a life that is promised to every human. Because of what Christ has done, we all have access to this blessing. It just requires a response. Today in your bulletins, the first thing we have to do Blessed are those who receive what has been given. Who receive what has been given. How do we receive that? The first thing, he's given us salvation through grace. Salvation through grace. Jesus, when he takes on the crown of thorns and humiliation and pain, takes on the curse of mankind. This curse is complete separation from the Father. This curse is that the world, which was once created to be a blessing to mankind, now requires work and toil, the sweat of your brow, to bring forth good fruit. But receiving what has been given from Christ comes only by surrendering our lives. Today, so often you ask where the blessing is. Where, where is my blessing? What is taking place? Blessing it does not come without sacrifice. It comes through surrendering your life. As Jesus would surrender his life for you, we now surrender our life to him, and we receive the blessing of God, salvation. I'm here to tell you, we undermine the blessing of salvation when we think that getting something physically would be any better. How could anything be better than eternal life found in Christ? How could anything be better than being restored? We spend so much of our life trying to get back at this. We spend so much of our life fighting to get better, to get better, to accomplish something great. But I'm here to tell you, stop the fight. He's already won. 
It's time to step into the victory of Christ. Jesus came, and like a ram caught in briars on the mount, as Abram is about to sacrifice Isaac, he takes our place. Genesis 22, you see this moment Isaac is taking, or Abraham and Isaac are walking up the mountain, and he's going to sacrifice his son. Verse 13 says, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So often we say, you know, Jesus is Isaac in this story. He's the son that, that we're willing to sacrifice. We did. No, no, no. Jesus is caught in the briars taking our place. We deserve the death. We deserve to go before. We don't deserve the right to life. It is us who should sit on top as a sacrifice. We are Isaac in this moment. And the father is willing to prepare a sacrifice other than us so that we might be able to live. You see, Jesus is caught in the thicket. And today I'm here to tell you, he didn't get caught in a thing of thorns for no reason. It was prophecy going out before that the lamb was coming and he would take on the thicket, the thorns on his head, and he would take our place. This is a moment that we so often miss because we're wondering who we are in the story rather than looking who he is in the story and realizing Isaac gets to walk away. Why does he get to walk away? Because of the sacrifice of another. Isaac walks away from this moment. You see, he has given us salvation through grace. Isaac got up because he was able to because of the sacrifice provided by the Father. Not only this, but now Isaac is set free from this fate. He is now able to live. Second point is he has given us life through redemption. We now have life in Christ. This abundant life is now offered to us through Christ's redemption. This power now comes into our lives to allow us to live the life we were intended to live. I have all I need in Christ. He has saved me. He has given me new life. He is my provider. He is my strength. He is my healer. He is my shelter. He is my strong tower. He is everything. Nothing added to Christ becomes greater He is all-sufficient in himself. Church, the blessed life doesn't start with what I can buy, but knowing that I was bought with a high price. And there's one thing I want to encourage you today in, and that is this. So often we say, I am saved. My life was saved. Thank you. And we celebrate this. But there's a second part. There comes a moment when we quit saying, yay, I'm saved. I get to get up. But there came a moment when Isaac had to get up and walk and live a life. And so often we stay in our sin. We stand on top of the pile, wondering when is our time. Lord, you've saved me, but I'm still standing on the pile. If he told you to get off the bed because there was a sacrifice, why are we still laying there? Listen to this. Church, if he said you are free of sin, why are we still living in it? Church, if he said he is your provider... That he will provide all that you need. He is our provision. We sing it gladly. If he truly is our provision, then why are we worrying? Why do we lose sleep because we're sitting there, Lord, when are you going to provide? He said he will. And the promises of God are true. It was a requirement that we now step into this life. 
So often I hear of people and we're excited to be saved and we're excited, yay, I'm saved, I'm no longer, I I get to go to heaven. And heaven is great and it's exciting, but we miss the most beautiful part. The eternal life started that day. You don't have to wait until you die and go, we have the abundant life now. It's time to live this abundant life. Church, today we can walk differently because we have been changed Today we can walk in the confidence knowing we are saved, therefore we will live. We can walk in the provision of God. We can walk in the strength of God. We do not have worry if God can do something through us because we know he has the strength to save us and he has the strength to help us. And today, church, I want to encourage you. So often we miss the process of sanctification because we never get over the fact we were saved. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Walk in that salvation, and it's time to change and mature. It's time to get better. It's time for all of us to step into a new life. No longer am I the man or woman that I was before. I'm walking in a new light because I have the ability to live through Christ. We get stuck. We get stuck in this routine. We get stuck. We fight the same old sins. You may be caught in the same sins because you never got off the thicket. You may still be living and and struggling in these different things. And there's struggles. We are flesh. Don't get me wrong. We struggle. But it's time we start professing the power of Christ in our life. It's time we start living. It's time that we receive what has been given, that we are saved, but also we are in the process of being sanctified. We have power because now we have been given life. Those who are blessed receive what has been given. They receive the greatest blessing today. They receive the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't stop there. He also gives us life. He gives us the most blessed life, which is one found in him. We have so much in our lives to live this blessed life. But we also must realize, number two, that those who are blessed give what has been received. We give what has been received. Every gift from God is one that is to be shared with everyone else. Notice when you look at the gifts of God for the church, when we see these going on, notice what they always do. They're benefiting the body. Why does the Lord anoint some to preach the gospel? Not for their benefit, but for everyone's benefit. Why does he give prophecy? Not for the the prophet's benefit, but for everyone's benefit. Every gift of the Lord is one that ought to be given. And we accomplish that first. We have to share our faith with others. This blessing wasn't one that was meant to, to be kept silent. The scriptures say over and over again, this is one that we ought to share. Everyone in the world deserves to know of the greatest blessing because why? They're in the same fight you are. They're wondering, where is this blessing? Lord, where is my blessing? Whoever God is out there, where is my blessing? And we are sitting in this church today, and every single one of us in here knows the answer. So if we just told one, how much would it change our city? We have to share this faith. Matthew 5, 16 says, right after this amazing sermon that we just read of the blessed people, right after he describes the blessing, 16 says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. There's an understanding. A blessed life blesses others. 
We hear often statements all throughout Scripture, give and it will be given unto you. Everything is about this giving. What a blessing we have to be able to share the gospel of Jesus. He's given us life so that we might offer life to other people. Why people are still striving with all their might to chase this good life. We have the answer that they can have the blessed life. That their struggle can be over. Jesus has all they need. The Bible says, how, how beautiful of the, are the feet of those who bring forth the good news. I want to say it this way. Blessed are those who bring the good news. For they were blessed by Christ, but now they are also blessing. This message could change their life, but we as Americans also have the ability to do more than just this. We have the ability to do more than just share our faith with people. We also have the ability, which is your second point, to share your wealth with others. This is the tough one for us. It's a tough one for our life because in one sense we are receiving this blessed life, but we always keep a hand on the good life. And this good life becomes one we protect because we say, God wants to bless me in this way. I wonder if you've ever asked this question, why has God blessed you in the way he has? Is it so that you can live a lavish lifestyle? Is it so you, you could be this crazy rich person and have all these things and everyone would admire all that you have? Or has God blessed you so much so that you could bless others so much? Be honest, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt or bring forth this political statement that we have to give everything away, that we have to do, we have to take care of people, that work has always been a part of the plan because Adam worked before the fall happened. It was a part of what he did. I'm not telling people don't work. I'm not telling share with people who don't. I'm not even, even there. We're not there. I'm asking you as believers in Jesus Christ who have been given the greatest blessing in the world, if that is truly our blessing, that we are found in Christ, then why do we care so much about the good life? A blessed life doesn't care about the good life. A blessed life is always blessing. A blessed life is always sharing with people. When's the last time someone else made it because of the way God blessed you rather than God having to bless them? When's the last time we shared what God has done in us, both our faith but also with action? You see, so often we're so, many of us are excited. We're like, yeah, I'll share my faith with anyone. But they can buy their own coffee. Starbucks is expensive. Why has God blessed you? Do you notice the blessing? Church, today I'm here to let you know there's this, there's this message that's going out, and it's one that truly breaks my heart. And I'm not here to step on any other people's thoughts and feelings, but there's this message that because of this blessing on someone's life, they deserve all of these things, and everyone just needs to bless them. And we have these things where if you'll, if you'll do this, God's going to bless you, and you'll do that. And God, Why are we still trying to buy the blessings of God when it's already been given to us? We shouldn't have to say, oh, if you, if you do this, God will do it. We shouldn't have to say these things. He's already given enough. If God stopped providing for you today, financially, he's already done enough because we are not creatures of this world. We are, we are aliens to this world. He is a king of a kingdom that does not exist. And we have the abundant life, whether we have new shoes, 
new clothes, new house, new truck, new boat. We have what we need. This is one that may be easy to speak about, but one hard to live. Did you come searching for a blessing, yet the whole time you possessed it? See, as I close today, I have to ask you, what are we chasing? What are we going after? See, I don't understand why we're still chasing these blessings of God when the true blessing of God is himself. See, there's a difference in the good life and the blessed life. I began today with a story of myself at 19 years old. I had this good life well on its way in my life. Things were going great, and I told you a moment happened. I was fishing where all good things take place. I was fishing on a dock and wasn't catching anything like normal. And as I'm fishing, I, I got these just these thoughts in my head, and I remember that my second grade teacher one time, she looked at me, and she started with a negative comment, but it went positive. She said, you're out of control, but I think God's given you that for a reason. I was in second grade. I was like, okay. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Can I leave now? Like, <laughs> am I in timeout, recess, what? I remember in fifth grade, my teacher teacher comes up to me and she said, you talk so much. Calm down. And I said, I knew the answer. She said, you talk so much, but I believe God's going to give you a voice. I was like, all right. 11th grade, kind of stepping into the church and these things, a, a student, fellow student, classmate of mine, the student begins to talk to me and and they's like, they're like, you're kind of funny. I was like, thanks. They're like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I was like, I think I'm going to draw some things. I'm not very good at drawing, so I'm going to use computer. And they said, the student looks at me and they said, you should speak. You have a voice. I was like, okay. And I remember these moments as I'm fishing and as the band makes their way back up. As I'm fishing, I'm throwing out the rod, and I'm just completing these things. I'm just, you know, going through the motions, and these moments pop in my head, and, and I'm kind of in awe. I'm like, what is going on? What is taking place? And I didn't hear a voice that day. I didn't hear anything awesome. Nothing happened. The waters didn't part. Nothing. But I remembered in that moment, I remember this deep desire in my heart to preach. And I said, whoa, what does that even look like? I'm just thinking, I'm like, been given a voice, you're obnoxious. And I'm thinking through these things, and I realized in that moment, I truly believed that the Lord was telling me he had been using people far longer than I ever knew to tell me that he was going to give me a voice. That he was going to give me a pulpit. And during that time, I, I sat there and I knew what I had to do. And you see, this was poor timing on God's part. Five days earlier, promotion. And my first thought, because I, I'm just natural with the Lord like this, I just said, really? 
five days. Like, tell me last week, and I'm, I'm in, but this week is exciting. On the seventh day, I went back to work, and I knew what I had to do, and I walked in my boss's office, and I was like, hey, you know that promotion? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you excited? I was like, I was. He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, uh, here's my two weeks notice. He said, what do we do? Is it not, not enough money? Like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you need? What's going on? I said, I don't know how this whole thing works, but I truly believe that, uh, that I'm supposed to do something else. He's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go get in debt. I'm going to college. He's like, what are you going to college for? I said, I'm going to be a preacher. And listen, my boss, I, I, I had no idea about this, but he looks at me and says, good. And I, I said, oh. He's like, you're going to go. You're going to do this. If that's what God's laid on your heart, he's like, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer, and I don't get much time to talk to you, but I want you to know this is what you're supposed to do, I guess. I said, it is. And I turned in my two weeks' notice, and I'll be honest, it wasn't a popular decision among my family and my friends. In fact, it had some real tough times. People thought I was being messing everything up that, the, that God had given me. I was messing the whole process up, and I was sitting there, and I was going, man, is this right? Is this right? Am I doing this right? And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I've blessed you to bless others. You see, I might have had a good life. I was getting the new truck. I was getting the new boat. I had it picked out. It was perfect. We were looking at houses, and Holly and I were beginning to plan. I was going to get a ring. We were getting married. I was excited, 19 years old. We were going to beat everyone. We were going to be married before everybody. We were young. We were excited. We were, we were going for it. We, we were great. And in a moment, I sit on a, uh, literally on a couch beside Holly, and I said, Holly, got to throw a little curveball. I'm going to be leaving for three years. I know this kind of ruins everything, but I quit my job today. I said, it'd be great if you went with me, you know, we could stay together, this would be great, but I completely understand if not. And after about 30 minutes worth of tears on both of our parts, because <laughs> I was still, I, I mean, I did it because of the Lord, but I wasn't excited about it. I finally looked at her, I said, you going to do this with me? And she said, one thing, you're getting a four-year degree, you get back in three years, and I'm with you. I said, okay, well, you better keep praying. But we're going to do this. Church, I, sh I share this story with you today because at some point I realized that day that Holly and I made that decision, and it's been nothing but a blessing in our life. I realized that day that for once I understood it. I gave up the good life for the blessed life because there is a difference. I don't have an amazing truck. I see a lot of amazing trucks, but I don't have an amazing truck, but I got one that runs. Holly and I, we, we don't have everything ex extremely big. It's not an amazing life. It's not these big things, but I'll tell you, I have never been happier in my entire life because of the blessings of God. You see, what I thought would have been a burden because I was giving up the good life, I'm here to tell you there is nothing better in the world than standing before teenagers in a building over there and saying God loves you and them accepting that. That is a blessed life. Take the truck, take the boat, take the house. I'm keeping the wife. 
but you can take everything away from me and it will never change my life. Yes, I want things. I love shoes and I love socks. I don't know why and I want these things, but I don't need them because I am blessed. Church, it's time we get over the good life. It's time we step into the blessed life. We don't need these things. God has called you to be a blessing to others. And today I want to let you know, first you have to receive what has been given, and then you give what has been received. And today, here's what's going to happen in these next 10 minutes. Today, people are going to first receive. And there's going to be people in here, listen, don't be afraid. Don't feel weird. I already shared my story. I was in the balcony. I knew nothing about this Jesus thing. I came to service just like this where the youth pastor was speaking. And he spoke a message about the joy of serving the Lord. And he spoke a message about what the good, this life really is about. And, and I walked down, I shared the story, went out, came in. I found the stairs later. I shared that story before. But I'm here to tell you I made a decision and still today I will never look back. Let me tell you, you may have all that you need, but there's a reason you're sitting in here wondering. It's because you're chasing the good life. It's time for the blessed life. Some of you, you've been living the blessed life for a long time, but the good life's been in your hand. God has blessed you beyond measure, and you've been holding on to it because that's yours. That's yours. Today, let's get past the politics of it all. Let's get past everything else, and let's just get to the core of the gospel. The gospel is one that gives. It's time to get over it. And so today, God's going to do that. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.